Yeah, hey, I'm ready for Summer Central. I, I heard just then that I can be a part of the snack team. So um, I want to do that. I just, I'd like to be like a cupbearer, like Nehemiah, and just try all the snacks, make sure they're okay for all the kids. I'm going to talk to Mindy. That's exactly what I'm going to go do um, this week. Hey, it's going to be an exciting uh, week at Summer Central. I'm pumped about, pumped about the opportunity to, to get off our campus and go to where people are, and I'm really excited. So, I mean, if you're a part of that, thank you so much for being a part of uh, this next week. And, man, I want to ask everybody to pray, pray for this week. It's going to be uh, a special moment in the life of our church and the life of our community. So uh, thank you guys for, for being here. Uh, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor here um, at Central. And uh, if you're, for all the guests here today, thank you for hanging out with us uh, for a little bit. If you'd like to follow along with the, today's message, man, scan the QR code right there with your phone and you can... Uh, It'll take you right to the notes for today, and you can have all those notes and save them and, and all of that, that good stuff. Well, over the last, uh, actually started last week, and we're beginning, we're continuing this week, and we're going to go with the rest of this month. We're actually looking at some life verses, some verses that have really impacted, um, impacted us. And last week I said, hey, if you have a life verse or a verse that's really making an impact in your life right now, send that to us through social media, tag the church on social media, and we will talk about some of those during the service. And so I'd like to actually do that um, right now. Um, so I was, uh, I was looking at some of these and kind of figuring out which ones would be, would be great to use. And um, Paula Wilkerson, she's right back there. Hey, hey, there you are. Okay. Uh, I told her earlier, I said, hey, you're about to be in the service. Sorry. Um, so uh, she said uh, one of her favorite verses is Psalm 19:14. Here's what she said. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. That's a great verse. And here's what she said about that. She said, I've always wanted my words and actions to reflect the love of God. But this verse reminds me uh, constantly that it, is, it starts with my, my heart. It's not just about the actions, but it starts with my heart. And I want to hide nothing um, from God. So that's a great verse. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, Jen, Jen Nottingham also talked about one of the, her favorite verse, which is Psalm 32 8, that says this The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I'll watch over you. And that's a great verse as well, talking about the Lord uh, being there for us and, and showing us the way. And here's what she said I fell in love with this verse back in 2019. It reminded me that I was on God's path and he was going to be there with me every step of the way. He's going to watch over and protect me. It was a great reminder through 2020. We all know how disastrous that year was. And so um, that's, a, that's a great verse to hang on to. And so what is your life verse? Do you have a verse? Man, uh, send that to us this week. Uh, post it on social media on your account and just tag the church. And we're going to begin or continue to show some of those uh, throughout uh, the rest of the, this month. Um, these are verses that connect um, with you, connect with you in a personal way. Last week, we talked about a verse that's personally um, connected with me in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 17, and I had this, this small view of Jesus when I was younger. I mean, Jesus, I, I was saved when I was 10, and I had this idea of Jesus to be my Savior, and that was it, and that, that's, that's enough, really. I mean, that's, that's great that he's my Savior, but Colossians 1, 17 says that he is he is so much more than that, that he is before all things and he holds all things together. That's pretty big. And helped me to realize that Jesus is way more than just a savior. He's, he's God himself and he's a creator and sustainer of everything. And so it just changed my life just uh, thinking about 
that verse. And we've been connecting with some of these verses, but today I wanted to not just connect with a verse, I want to connect today with a, a person. One of my favorite dudes in the Bible is David. And the reason is because David is just like us in so many different ways. And you may know his story, but you may not know the rest of his story and all of his story. And so if you turn in your Bibles, you don't have to do that now, but if you were to just turn your Bibles to First and Second Samuel, you would read the story of David's life. And I don't know why it's not called First and Second David, that'd be a lot easier, but it's called First and Second Samuel. Well, it's because Samuel was the prophet back then, and it was actually just one continuous story. It was, it's one, one full book, but back then, they wrote everything on scrolls, and that was too big of a scroll to carry around, so they split it into two, and today we have First and Second Samuel. And so that's the story of David's life, and then if you turn, you flip the pages to the very middle, you'll get to the book of Psalms. And in that, the book of Psalm, it's almost like David's personal journal. And so as you're reading about the history of his life, you can also read his emotions and what's going on and how he's, how he's thinking. And he wrote about half of the book of Psalm. And one of the most famous passages, one of the most, one, ones that's told the most is Psalm 23. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. This is the one that we're going to look at today. And we'll put it up here on, on the screen let me read it to you real quick. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, at the very beginning, yours might say um, a, song, a psalm of David or a song of David. So we know that it's coming directly from David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have, ho- I have all that I need. He, he lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths and, and brings honor to his name. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup. It overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, when you read something like that, you're like, what is actually going on in his life? And sometimes we read parts of Scripture. Sometimes we look at at verses like this or passages like this, and we say, what's actually happening have you ever gone to the movie theater and you showed up like late and you're like halfway through the movie and you're like, what is going on? We did that the other, uh, a couple years ago. We were going to a, a movie. Our, our family was. We were down in Austin with my sister and her family. We went online and bought the tickets. We go to the movie theater and we go in. We get all the popcorn, all the drinks, and we go up to the ticket person. Um, we showed them our phone and we realized we're at the wrong theater. Like, just completely the wrong theater, okay? Not even the same company. And so the, the tickets we had actually bought were 30 minutes away on the other side of town. And so we called them and said, hey, is there any way that we can still uh, make this show? And by the way, we've got a ton of drinks and popcorn and candy and stuff we bought from the other place. Would you allow us to bring that in? Because, you know, we we're hoping they would. And they were really cool about it. For some reason, they actually let us bring all that stuff in. And so we booked it across town and made it to the movie, but the movie had already started. And so when you go into the movie and the movie's already started, you're like, what have I, already, what have I missed? What's going on that I, that I wasn't a part of? And that's how it is sometimes when we read scripture. We, we see this and we're like, what is actually happening? Well, let me, let me back up a little bit and tell you a little bit about David. So before David, the, the Hebrew people were in the promised land, but they weren't a unified nation. They were just 12 
dysfunctional tribes that had their own areas, their own places where they lived, and they were one people, but they weren't one nation. They did have one prophet, and that prophet was Samuel. And so Samuel spoke to the people on behalf of God. But the Israelites, they got really arrogant, and they, they wanted to follow other nations instead of following after God, because the other nations that were all around them were constantly fighting against them, but they, they had it all together. They had they, had a, they were unified nations, they had strong militaries, and the people of, of Israel, the Hebrew people, were kind of dysfunctional. And so they wanted a king. They wanted a unified nation. And so they went to God and said, God, can we do this? And Samuel speaks to them on behalf of God, and he's like, man, are you sure you want to do this? Because God had said, hey, you don't need this. You don't need to be like everybody else I will be your, your God. I will be your king. I will protect you. I will provide for you. And they're like, no, 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 no. We need a king. And he said, okay, we'll give you a king. And so the very first king was King Saul. And Saul was, at the beginning, he was a great king. He was this tall dude. He was handsome. He had it all put together. I mean, his life was incredible. He did some awesome things, but... His, his flaws eventually came to the surface. You know how it is when, if, you're, if someone has some big major flaws, eventually those things are going to make, make the, their way to the top, and that's what happened in his life. Like his pride got the best of him, and he didn't have uh, very high integrity, and that finally uh, came back to, to bite him. And he went from good to bad, and he actually stopped following and listening to God. And Samuel confronts him. Samuel goes to his house, knocks on his door and says, hey, I just want you to know, because of what's happening, God has told me that I'm supposed to go and anoint a new king, a new future king. And so Samuel travels and he, he finds this family and they have all these kids and all these kids get li- lined up and he begins to go through these kids and he goes all the way down to the very end and there's this little dude named David. And David was the youngest boy in the family. No one would have picked this guy to be the future king, but God had. And David had a job, and his job was to be the shepherd for his family. It was a job no one wanted because you're always out in the the nastiness of the field, dealing with all the sheep. And it was a job no one wanted to have, and so David ended up being the shepherd. And sometime in his life, this shepherd writes Psalm 23. But in this psalm, he is no longer the shepherd. He is actually the sheep. So let's look at it again. A couple of verses here at the very beginning. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me besides peaceful streams. What he's talking about here in the first two verses is about rest. How many of you need some rest right now? Anybody? Like, I am ready for, for some rest in, in my life. I, I need rest. I think all of us at times, we just get tired and exhausted. We need some rest. And he's saying, God provides that rest for me. Because sheep are naturally restless. Without a guide in their life, sheep kind of freak out about everything. When, when there's something that's, that they're, they're not sure about, something that's foreign that comes into their territory, they, they go crazy. That They're scared often. They're, they have lots of insecurity. Um, they get upset easily. And, and without a guide in their life, they will continue to run. I mean, sheep will continue to just move because that's all the way that they know to, to find safety is to, to never sit still. 
And he says, you know what? God is my shepherd. He lets me rest. Because in this life, I know what it's like. I've seen for year after year, I've seen these sheep and, and the way that they just, they're never still. And I need that rest. He says, God provides that rest for me. And he goes on in verse 3 and says, not only that, but, but God, he renews my strength. And he guides me along right, right past, bringing honor um, to his, to his na- name. What he's saying here is that he renews my strength, that he, will meet, he meets my needs. And so God was meeting David's physical needs, but not only that, but his, his spiritual and emotional needs. And that's exactly what God does for us. I mean, every one of us, our bodies are broken. The older we get, the more they're broken, right? I mean, when, when you wake up and you're going, why is my body feeling the way um, that it's feeling? I can't, you, know, you, you just be walking down the road and you just twist your ankle. Like, what happens? Like, why is, why is, that, why is that going on? But your body's broken, but the fact is, is that your spirit's broken too. Your spirit is utterly broken. And the Bible says that God has this incredible, unique ability to mend it back together and to restore it and to renew it. And not only does he do that, but he will correct us. We don't like it, but that's the Holy Spirit's job, to, to guide you down the right path for you. You may not understand why. You're like, I want to go that way. And God's like nudging you this way. There's got to come a point in your life where you say, you know what, I'm going to trust the shepherd because I'm just a sheep. I'm just a sheep. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself in the the shoes of a sheep. Sheep don't have shoes, but, you know, like pretend you're a sheep, okay? Here's here's how you do this. you got to dumb yourself down. you got to get stupid for a minute, okay? Some of you are already there, but here we go. Just, Just hang with me, all right? So... You got to get stupid for a minute because as humans, we have this, we have a different perspective than sheep. I mean, we understand, okay, the sheep is in the pasture. Oh, that's great. But a sheep has no idea what's outside of their, their view. They can't see to the other side, on the other side of the hill. They don't know what's coming down the road. They don't have this perspective of life like we do. So I just want you to pretend that you're a sheep for just a minute. And your whole source of security and safety is in that guy that's holding the staff. And when he moves, you're always keeping an eye on him. And when he begins to move that way, you just follow him. When he goes that way, you, you follow him. Because you have no perspective about what's coming down the road. And when David writes this saying, God is my shepherd, what he's, what he's saying, and he's kind of almost asking this question, am I truly safe with God? And that's a great question for us to look at today. Are you safe with God? God? Do you find your security in him? Do I find my security? When I read this, when I walk with the Lord, honestly, do I find security and safety in him? You see, David, he found himself in some situations where, I mean, if you guys, if I was in that situation, I'd be really, really scared. You guys know some of the stories about David was still young. He'd already been anointed the king, the future king, but he still had to like be a shepherd is kind of weird, you know. He had to kill it, still do some other stuff. And his older brothers are in battle with the Philistines in this field, and he brings them a sack lunch. And he looks around and sees that they're just dejected and already they've already lost. You've been a part of a, a team that you go to warm up, and your team's out there like shooting baskets or whatever. And you look across the, the court, and there's these dudes just like dunking all over the place. You know, their layups are just dunks. You're like, we've already lost. It's over. Like, why should we even play? You know. 
That's exactly what was happening to, to, to the Israelites. Like, we've already lost. And David sees this, trusts the Lord. God uses him. And we know the story. He goes and he, and he kills this Goliath. He kills this nine-foot-tall Philistine warrior who was over there on the other side of the field talking about their God and about their mamas, right? And he's like, he's egging them on, and he goes and he kills them. But the, the truth is, is, David didn't kill Goliath. God, God did. God worked through David to do that. But in that moment, I wonder what it felt like to be David facing that giant. For me, I would feel kind of sheepish, you know? I would feel like a sheep. And in this life, there are some giants that we have to face. And sometimes we feel like sheep, like we can't handle it. Are you facing giants? I'm facing some some giants right now. I mean, just as, as a man, I get up on stage, and everybody's like, oh, Clayton's got all this, man, he's just confident. I am one of the most insecure people you know. I deal with insecurities all the time. Of like I've never rise up to what God wants me to be. I'm always falling short. I, I feel that all the time. As a husband, I have, I have all of these regrets of I didn't do what I should have done. All these I, ha- I wish I had of, you know? No one walks through life and goes, man, if I had to go do it back all over again, I'd do it the exact same way because I was just perfect. It was awesome. I've messed up a ton. As a dad, my kids are over here in the front row right there. Stay awake. No, I'm just kidding. No, I've got great kids. Uh, they're over there hanging out. Um, but when, before you have kids, it's all about yourself, isn't it? And when you have kids, something changes where nothing else in your life matters but them. It's the weirdest feeling. And I feel so helpless about keeping them safe. You know? It's like nothing I can do. God's got to do something. I'm doing everything I can to provide for them and to protect them. But I'm like begging and pleading, God, I want, I'm praying, God, be, be their shepherd, right? Because I can't be their shepherd. You got to do this. And it's just this moment of like total surrender. You're like, God, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do it. You're going to protect them because I am, am inferior. I can't handle it. And as a pastor, man, I, I always come up to the stage. Anybody ever watch my feet? I always get up to the very edge. And some people have said this. Some of the staff are like, man, I don't feel like you're going to fall off the edge. But I, I got it. I know what I'm doing. Okay, I'm going to fall someday. Someday it's going to be really funny. It'll be on YouTube and great. But, but like, I feel at times that as a pastor, I am one screw up away from this all just falling apart. Like, I got some big giants that I'm facing. I think if we were honest, we would all say the same thing, that we have some giants that we're facing. In those moments, we feel like sheep. And we may never face a nine-foot-tall giant like David did, but we have some formidable giants, and they make us feel pretty small. But the truth this morning from, from the Scripture is that God's a good shepherd, and he's got you. And in him is safety. Jesus says this in John 10, 27. He says that my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
There's this intimacy of following the shepherd. Wherever he goes, I will be safe. And that was David's perspective. And Psalm 23 is is really personal for him. In fact, it gets even more personal in verse 4. In verse 4, here's what he says. Go to the next verse. There we go. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they're they're protecting me. So some of y'all's versions may say, um, you know, the valley of the shadow of death, uh, the darkest valley, whatever it might say. But, man, look where it says, where it says rod and your staff, they protect me. So a a shepherd had, actually, a lot of times had two um, tools. They, had, they always had the staff, but also sometimes they had, they had a rod, and the rod was for protection to, um, to, to fight off enemies, to fight off wolves or fight off um, enemies of the sheep, okay, things that were going to come and hurt the sheep, but also had the staff, and the staff was there to rescue. And so David is saying, God, you are like that for me. You are, you are fighting off my enemies, but you're also rescuing me, sometimes from, my, from myself, He says, man, I'm walking in some dark valleys. Like David's life was full of ups and downs. I mean, he had had this big fallout with with Saul. And it did not go good. Before he was even king, he had to run for his life. I mean, he was a refugee, a fugitive running for his life out in the wilderness just trying to make it. And and Saul was pursuing him, trying to kill him. And the truth this morning is that every single one of us, we're going to go through some valleys. I mean, that's just a fact of life. You can't escape it. You're either going into a valley, you're actually there right now, or you're coming out of one. It's this roller coaster ride. If you've lived more than five days, like you understand in this life, you're going to go through some valleys. It's, how many of y'all love roller coasters? I love roller coasters. Now, I took my wife on a roller coaster the day, and it, was, it did not go good, guys. Just If your wife has equilibrium issues... Don't push her onto a roller coaster. It was a bad day um, around my house. But, but I love roller coasters. And I love actually the ones where, not where you're sitting in something, but the ones where like you're hanging down. You know, like your legs are hanging down. And those are crazy roller coasters. You get up to the, the, the line and um, you finally make it to the front and you, you, you get in the, the seat. And what do you do? You're always making sure that that, that harness thing is, is down secure and the, the seat belts, you're double checking because that 16 year old is checking everything. I don't trust that dude, okay? <laughs> I'm checking for myself. And then the, the platform just kind of goes away and you're just hanging there. You're like, all right, here we go. And you go up and you, um, you get a little more scared, a little more scared, and all of a sudden it, it drops and you do all the loops and all the crazy stuff. And they always take that picture, you know? And the picture, if, if, you, really, if, you're, if you really want, make, want people to, know that you're strong and tough. You'll be like waiting for that picture and you're just smiling the whole time, right? Whatever. But most people aren't prepared for it. And that picture comes. And why is it that half the people are, look scared to death, you know? And they're hanging on to the, the, the straps or the person next to them. It's because they don't trust that this thing is going to protect them. But then you have those crazy people that have their hands up and they could care less. And there's like time of their life. Why? Because they trust it. But like this thing has got me I don't have to worry about it. I can just enjoy the ride. And that's what it's like to trust God. So you know what? God's got me. I may be going through it right now. I may be in it right now. I feel like I'm falling into a, to a dark valley right now. Or maybe I may be coming out of that. I can trust God in all of those moments because of verses 1 through 3. 
verses 1 through 3, we see that God is this, this protector. And he's this provider. He's like, I've got you. I'm your good shepherd. And so when you're going through those valleys, this is what happened for David. When he was going through those valleys, he didn't have to fear because God was with him. He could actually embrace the moment and actually lean into God and grow closer to him because of it. And when we do, things like Psalm 23 will change our lives. Moments like Psalm 23 will shape us forever because we're trusting in God. Now, Psalm 23, it changes. The scene changes a little bit in the last couple of verses because David's life changed. His experience changed. And the longer you live life, your experience changes, right? And especially when you walk with God. The, the more you spend time with God, the longer you go through different seasons and you see God being with you. And he's, he, there's this intimacy that has grown. And you understand him more and more in a deeper way. And that's exactly what was happening to David. David eventually becomes the king, okay? And everything is awesome. And he has these incredible successes. And he is fighting off God's enemies. And uh, they're winning battles. And he is building stuff. I mean, he is, he's a rock star in that moment. He even conquered Jerusalem. And it becomes the, the city, the, 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 the national like, place where everybody went to worship the Lord. I mean, he had, he had set all that stuff up. And his, his lineage continued far past him. But his previous life was being outside as a shepherd, right? And his new life is different. I mean, you go from being a shepherd to a king. Like, your life is, is totally different. Here's what he says in verse 5. He says, God, you prepare a feast for me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies even. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup. It overflows with blessing. Now... David is inside as a king. His life is different. And he knew how to throw some parties, guys. David knew how to throw some parties. And he, he knew what it meant to be a good host. But in these verses, he's not the host. He's the guest. And God, he's, he's showing how God, he is the host. And in the next two verses, verse 5 and 6, show the hospitality and the goodness of God in this incredible way. It talks about anointing Someone with oil. So back then, um, you would walk into a house as a guest, and the, the host would anoint you with oil. That'd be kind of weird today if you walked up to someone's house, and they're like, bloop, you know, oil in your head. You're like, what is going on? I'm out. Like, I got something to do, okay? So you, you wouldn't continue <laughs> doing that. Back then, that was a big deal. When someone anoints you with oil, that was huge. And when you would go and sit down at, at, at a meal, and it was the host's job to provide everything for you. And it'd be a bad host if someone came and just poured you a drink and that's all you got. But what he's saying here is, is that there's unlimited refills, guys. Okay, it's a good day when you go to restaurants, unlimited refills, right? And so he's saying, with God, there's unlimited refills so much that my cup is overflowing. He is a good host and provider. And what he's saying is, is that I have ultimate satisfaction in God. With everything that's happened in my life, I am satisfied in him. He is a good host. And the question for us today is, not just am I safe in God, but am I satisfied in God? Are you truly satisfied in him? We run hard after things that we think will satisfy us. We run after worldly pleasures. 
We run after toxic relationships. We pursue things that in, in themselves are just, they're honestly, they're just empty. And those things are like a host that invites you to a party and you show up and you knock on the door and they never answer. They're terrible. They won't, they won't, they won't finish what they started. But God throws the best parties. <laughs> that's, that's a great sermon right, right there. God throws the best parties. And that's what David is saying. He, he is the best host and he satisfies us more than anything else in this life. And in my life, I've got to believe that. For me to get through this life, I've got to believe that God will, will fulfill me and provide for me in the way that I'm, I'm looking for him to provide and fulfill me. In Psalm 38, sorry, Psalm 34, it says that we should taste and see that the Lord is good. Here, stop and just think about what does that mean? Like, that sounds weird. Taste and see the Lord is good. It's in this, it's in this relationship right here. David's talking about sitting down with this host and seeing the goodness of God. David says, man, he's satisfying me. Does he satisfy you? Now, verse 6 is where it gets real, and I'm going to finish with this. It seems really convenient for David to be satisfied in God when he's a millionaire, right? I mean, he's king. He's got everything he, he could ever want. Like, that sounds great. You don't know what's going on in my life. But the truth is, is that the reason... David finds satisfaction, get this, in God is not because of the great things he has. It's because he's a failure. David is an utter failure. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, right? Because I can relate to, to his life. David's life was tragic. He had all this great stuff. We talked about it already. I mean, all these successes. And then he takes his eye off of God we know the story of Bathsheba, and he, he has an affair, and there's a kid, and, and there's um, deception that happens, and cover-up, and murder, and his life just completely unravels. And it doesn't just affect him, it affects his whole family. And there's this slow self-destruction of his entire family. It's, it's a tragedy. And here's what David says in verse 6. Look at this. He says, surely, like, surely, God. Everything that's happened in my life, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, God, despite my failure, you will do that. David's one of the most relatable, pic, relatable characters in all, all of Scripture, and his life is this picture of our lives because he's a big screw-up. And so are you, and so am I. He, he was king. Think about this. He, he was king, okay? God had promised him the Messiah is going to come through your family tree. He had everything. He was, he's the president. He's Elon Musk. He's Taylor Swift and The Rock all combined into one, okay? He had everything, guys. I mean, seriously, he's strong. He can sing. He's in charge of it all. He's got all the money in the world. He had it all. Every single one of us, we would trade our life in a second for David's life. But he failed. His source of satisfaction had changed. And all of a sudden, he wasn't 
chasing after God anymore. He was chasing after this world. And it ruined him. And so David has this, towards the end of his life, he has this real soul-searching moment. And the consequences were there. Like he couldn't escape the consequences. His life, in essence, was ruined. His kingdom falls apart. His kids turn on him. He had, to, he, he had to bury several of his kids. That's, that's a tough go right there. Some of them wanted to take over the throne. He has to run for his life. He had everything, and all of a sudden he's on the run again, just like many, many years before. His life was in ruins. But he repented. He turned back to God, and God restored him. And on his deathbed, he... He's, he's too feeble to take care of himself. Uh, if you read the very end of 2 Samuel, it's pretty cool like, what happens at the end of his life. But um, he, he can't take care of himself. I mean, he's on like hospice care and, you know, p- people are trying to, to provide for him. And, and he realizes that, that God has always been the one who has kept him safe and provided for him. All the pursuits of this life didn't matter at all. And at the end he says, you know what, I am fully satisfied in him. And one day at the end of our lives, I hope that we can say the same thing. God, none of this matters but you. I'm fully satisfied in you. I say that we can can have that moment at the end of our life, but man, I want that moment now. You know what I'm saying? I want that moment now of saying, God, you are more than enough for me. You satisfy me. And David is this incredible character study because our life is kind of the same way. We're we're big screw-ups just like he is. And Psalm 23, is, it's so moving because it's just his heart. And it describes our life in, in some real ways of asking the questions, what satisfies us and what keeps us safe? And one of the reasons Psalm 23 is, is so important to me is because, get this, humility is like woven throughout it all. You see, David, he had... He had all this humility at the beginning, and God blessed him. And then he took his eye out, off of God. He lost that humility, and it went bad for him. It went bad for him. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says that he gives more grace. Thank, thank the Lord. God gives grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. At the end of his life, David found that humility again. And God blessed him. And it goes to show when you have humility, God blesses that. When you take your eye off of him and you think it's all about yourself, God takes his hand off of that. Where do you find your safety? Where do you find your satisfaction? God blessed David. Ultimately, he blessed them even after his life had ended. Because you know who came through David's family? The Messiah. Jesus. Jesus came. Now that would be a pretty cool story. Yep, through my life, Jesus showed up, okay? What an incredible blessing of God. God being there, saving him, providing for him. And he can do the same for you. Where do you find your safety? Is it in God or is it in something else? And are you ultimately satisfied in him or in the pursuits of this world?
That's Psalm 23. That's the story of David. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today's look into David's life in this intimate psalm of him on that roller coaster of life, but seeing that you are the good shepherd. You are his safety. And God, the same goes for us. You've got us. What do we have to worry about? You are a seatbelt on this roller coaster. So God, we can raise our hands. Whether we are going down into the valley, whether we have been in the valley for a long time, whether we're coming out of it, God, you are enough and you provide and you are safety. God, help us to trust you. But not only that, but you're, you're the great host. You're the great provider. And someone who had everything like David can turn around at the end of his life and say, you, God, alone, are it. You satisfy me. And I pray that that can be real in each one of our lives. We can say, you know what? I've pursued the things of this world, and they seem enticing for a moment, but they never satisfy. You alone satisfy me. Help us, God, to trust you in that and to pursue you. And ultimately, God, all of our hopes and all of our dreams, all the things we're chasing after in this world is found in your son, Jesus, who died for us, who rose to show his power over death in our lives. And if we would just trust him, we would be fully satisfied and have life everlasting. I pray for anyone here today, anyone watching online who needs to make that decision, Lord, that you would call them to yourself right now. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, and that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.